Welcome into another episode of Bare Bones Special Offseason Edition. As always, I am Mason West. We have Danny Meehan with us and special guest Jacob Infante, known for his Twitter shenanigans. Danny, Jacob, how are y'all doing? I, I feel like I'm going to get like podcast VD because I've got my two podcasts like co-hosts like and I feel like they're just now finding out about each other and I'm just like hi <laughs> yeah like we've been uh like you've secretly had two partners this entire time and you've been trying to keep one the secret from the other keep one a secret from the other yeah <laughs> this, this is awkward <laughs> but it wouldn't be you know a off-season episode if we didn't have you on Jacob because I know I love the stuff that you do with Winnie City Gridiron all the work that you do with these prospects I pretend like I know what I'm talking about you definitely do a deeper dive. I know Danny definitely does a deeper dive than I do on some of these guys. So, you know, it's uh, it's awesome to have you on here. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. I mean, I've, you know, I've been a fan of the show for, you know, since its inception and, you know, I'm grateful to be on here. So, you know, appreciate you guys for, you know, bringing me in here. We're, we're going to dive right in because we do have a lot <laughs> of fun scouting to get to. But first, uh, two things. One, yesterday, coaching's hires got announced officially and then there was some talk today from some of those coaches uh well, specifically uh carrie joseph quarterbacks coach now on the staff he was the assistant qb coach of the seahawks chris Beatty, wide receiver coach was with the la chargers as a wide receiver coach uh thomas brown is now the passing game coordinator i was interviewed also for the offensive coordinator position he was the panthers oc chad morton running back coach was the seahawks running game coordinator and running back coach Robbie Picasso, assistant QB and wide receiver coach, was Seahawks offensive assistant. Jason Hauteling, I'm not, I butchered that, whatever that thing is. Assistant O-line coach was the Titans O-line coach. And finally, Jennifer King, assistant running back coach, first woman in coach in Bears history, was the commander's assistant running back coach. Iberflus did confirm that the team will looking is going to look for an assistant defensive line coach after Justin Hines left to become the Seattle Seahawks defensive line coach. Uh, Jacob, which of those that have been announced are you most interested in or most excited by? Something of that nature. Yeah, so I think if I had to choose my favorite hire is Thomas Brown, bringing him in. I feel like there's a little bit of that Panther stink on him. He got an opportunity to be an offensive coordinator after spending time under Sean McVay with the Rams. And he took that opportunity, obviously didn't work out the way anybody was hoping or expected it to in Carolina. Uh, I do believe you're looking at, by all accounts, a bright young offensive mind who's only got his brightest days ahead of him. Uh, he's, I know he's under 40, so he's one of the, you know, young up-and-comers on the new Bears staff. Uh, he's someone who he was held in very high esteem. I know the NFLPA had the poll that came out that he was the number two uh, offensive coordinator in the league voted by the players. So to have him as in, in an assistant role I think is tremendous. I'm not so worried about what happened in Carolina just because I think that was a mess to begin with, and that's you know very tough to thrive in a situation like that. But I'm excited for him to get the opportunity to bounce back to, you know, build up some stock. And who knows, maybe if, you know, if Waldron does a good job as offensive coordinator, then Thomas Brown can slide into OC. And then potentially that could be an opportunity for him to uh, further showcase his stuff and, you know, boost his stock in the eyes of the league. 
Yeah, I said the exact same thing written down here. My The one I was most interested in was Thomas Brown. That offensive coordinator experience, I think, is very interesting. He knows all the, the quote-unquote bad things that might have gone on in the Bryce Young development if the Bears do bring in a young quarterback here. And, I mean, how much of that really was Brown's fault versus I just don't think Bryce Young is all that good. There's a bunch of funky stuff. Your best receiver was Adam Thielen in a wheelchair. Um, and like you said, you know, if Waldron does well here, as we hope, as Getsy was supposed to be, you know, can Thomas Brown step in and take over, which is always a issue when you have a defensive head coach. Danny, flipping the script the other way, is there one that, you know, maybe you wish that they would have done differently or a different mentality with one of these coaches? Um, I mean, if, it's hard to really nitpick because we really don't know what these guys do. We only know what we can guess on. And, like, we at least have, like, a body of work for Thomas Brown where we know he was the play caller for a segment, albeit not greatly for the Carolina Panthers. Um, if I, I mean, if you had to ask me which one I would like differently, I would probably say Chris Beattie just because his track record doesn't look all that impressive when you look at, like, some of the guys that he's worked with, like he didn't, he didn't really coach much in the NFL up until the Chargers, and the Chargers were kind of ready-made with Keenan Allen. And the guy he probably should have had his fingerprints on, Quentin Johnson, still can't catch the football. So, you know, cool. Um, well, not sure if you realize this, Mason. Prereq was at number one to play wide receiver in the NFL. Catch the football. Low-key important. Pretty important. Pretty important there. Yeah, I mean, my my least, I kind of did more of a category. Um, obviously, nepotism isn't like a thing here technically, but it's all from the quote-unquote Seahawk family, where a lot of the hires are. Um, you know, you, you like to have cohesiveness, familiarity, everyone being on the same page, so that's a good thing. But at the same time, you know, is there enough there to challenge? Is there different ideas coming in, especially on the offensive side when you have that many? If you look at the OG Nagy staff, it was actually the example of the opposite, though, like too many weird voices going on, so... You know. Well, that was kind of the Carolina thing too. They just went and hired all the best coach, best coaches, but none of them came from the same system or the same ideology. It was just a bunch of stuff thrown at the wall because they were in a deep pocket to get the best best coaches. But there has to be some sort of synergy there, yeah. right? Uh, the, I mean, if I want to touch on it, just it, it could mean, mean nothing. It could mean something, given the way the quarterback position is developing as it is. I think Kerry Joseph is interesting, being a black man and an increasing number of African-Americans and, and people of black descent playing the quarterback position. I think that matters going forward, not just how to play the quarterback position the white way, as it were, which is a lot what a lot of quarterback coaches and quarterbacks traditionally were up until probably five or six years ago. <laughs> I like the white way, right way thing. So I had to throw that in there. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Speaking of black, that brings up our sponsor for today's show, Funky Town Brewing. Uh, as a special Black History Month sponsor, you know we're gonna we brought them in. One of my uh, favorite groups out there, newer brewery in the Chicago land area. Check out Funky Town Brewery, Chicago's newest, freshest, and funkiest black-owned brewery. Their beer can be found at Whole Foods, Jewel Osco, Binnie's, United Center, and hundreds of other bottle shops in the Chicago land area. Follow them on Instagram at FunkyTownBrewery and check out their website at FunkyTownBrewery.com to join the mailing list. Also check out their new beer, Black is Beautiful, Jazz Nights, pictured here, which drops February 2nd. It's a Baltic porter with blackberry, 7.1% ABV, notes of chocolate, coffee, dark fruit, and spice. The blackberry character comes out in the back end. 
This is their first lager, incredibly smooth with robust flavor and really easy to drink. They really ups their game with this one. Proceeds will be split between the African Jazz Art Society and Studio and National Black Brewers Association. Black History Month may be ending, but Black History is not just a month, but should be all year long. Go support Black business. I'm actually drinking a Funky Town Brewery beer right now. It's hip hip hop and arm brew, really good. Maybe uh, maybe Jacobs should take some advice from Funky Town Brewery to get his smoothness up because his Twitter game when shooting his shots ain't too smooth. <laughs> yeah, I've uh, I haven't been having the best of luck uh, with the ladies. You, you know what? You yeah. know what? You. You keep you, sh- you miss all the shots you never take, man. So exactly, I'm gonna keep going. I, I got nothing holding me back. So th- I'm a. It, I, it's that one Dion Waiters quote where it's like, I'd rather go like <laughs> 0 for 20 than like 0 for five because that means that I stopped right. shooting or something like that. So shooters <laughs> mentality. The the idea that you just invoked Fat Boy Waiters on this podcast <laughs> is quite amazing, and I am here for it because. <laughs> God, that's just great. You need to update your Eberflus picture, Mason. I do. I don't have sexy flus. I didn't have time to. I had time. I took a nap. But like, I just didn't. Want to. But I will have to update it because he's he now is you know now he's sexy Zeus flus. Wow. But yeah, we got mock draft two coming at you. Um, as always, just started this. Danny, you didn't get to see this yet. Um, we have our PSA before all of our mocks now. The purpose of this mock draft is to help the hosts of Bare Bones better know the prospects of the 2024 NFL Draft. They are sharing this information so you, the follower, don't have to grind tape and scouting reports as you wait patiently for the Chicago Bears to make their selection. This is not meant to be predictive. If your favorite prospect was not selected in this mock draft, check out a previous or future mock as they may be included there. If they are never selected, oh well, get over it. Taking these mocks too seriously will result in headache, nausea, diarrhea of the mouth, cold takes exposed, troll status, tool status, and undying love for a prospect who gets cut before week one. Yeah, don't take this too seriously. We're just doing this to give you all good information. And I'm not sure if you realize this, but both me and Falus have one thing in common. We're both now rocking beards again. Mm. Just Yeah, I can't grow a beard. It's a problem. Good. Sounds like a you problem. Well, Jacob can't grow anything. Look at his face. <laughs> yeah, I haven't I haven't grown in heights in seventh grade. I can't grow a beard. I'm just eternally just child. Exactly. <laughs> hey, just some some people want that fountain of youth. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the boy of Bears Twitter. That's okay. Well, boy of Bears Twitter gets to take us kick us off here first. Round one, pick one. Jacob stood pat and took who most people are currently thinking are going to go number one here, Mr. Caleb Williams. Why so, Jacob? So I've been of the firm belief that while, yes, it sucks what's happened with Justin Fields, I feel like the – there's so much out of his control that hasn't gone right. Uh, I do think that this is the perfect opportunity to reset the QB contract clock, especially with a quarterback as highly touted as Caleb Williams. Uh, I'd much rather take a shot on someone with an extremely high ceiling like Caleb, who, yes, Fields does have the three years of NFL playing experience, but at the same time, he still has so much room to grow and you're committing to having to pay him 40 45 million dollars very soon and do i feel comfortable doing that i don't think i do as talented as fields is he still struggles with a lot of the same things that he did early on in his career uh and i feel like williams is a good enough prospect that you move off of him so that's why I stuck with him here. He's my top quarterback in the in the draft class. Uh, one of the top quarterbacks I've ever watched coming out of college. So big fan of his game. Uh, 
I do think, you know, the Bears stay put at one. He should be, and ultimately I think he will be the pick. I mean, totally makes sense with everything you're saying. Uh, I mean, last week, Kyra and I both ended up trading out of the first pick and actually, funny enough, both ended up taking Marvin Harrison Jr. and not taking a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Is that path still there? Technically. But for all the reasons you said, not the most likely scenario by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and I think that it's it would be enticing to, you know, get Marvin Harrison, but at the same time uh, – I think the writing's on the wall at this point. And if you can't see it, then get glasses. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, just, you know, it's, there are a lot of conspiracies <laughs> out there. I don't know. That was a little dad joke, but uh, yeah. Uh, there are a lot of like borderline conspiracy theorists out there that are like, oh, uh, just because, you know, the Bears social media tweeted out a picture of Justin Fields. Yeah. You, know, you know, he's staying like, shut up. Lots of, lots of mental gymnastics going on. Exactly. Like it's to me, at least it's pretty clear what's going on. Is this the ideal situation uh, that you would have preferred heading into this year? No. Ideally you get the number one pick and you trade down uh, and you know what you have in fields. But the reason you take Caleb is you don't know what you have in fields. So that's- well, I was going to say Mason and I talked about this a lot going going throughout the season and going into last season of the worst outcome was not knowing. And we still don't really know. And it's just frustrating because as much as, you know, I loved him coming out of Ohio state, we just still don't have the answers and he's just a victim of running out of time. Unfortunately. If you're sitting there at pick four, because the Panthers weren't totally inept, this is probably a different conversation, right? You're, you're talking about taking one of these receivers at pick four, something of that nature. And just rolling with Justin because that's what you got. Maybe you're talking yourself into a J.J. McCarthy, which I guess I probably will have to mock him to Bears at some point just to talk about him. Um, but I don't want to because there's and there's lots of reasons for that. But anyway, um, so Danny and I did went a little different. Danny and I traded. Danny uh, traded for the entire Falcons draft. Uh, <laughs> getting pick eight, uh, the second rounder at 43, the third rounder at 74, their fourth rounder, their sixth rounder, a future first, a future second, and a future third in order for the Falcons to move up to pick one and I assume take Caleb Williams. I traded back one spot. Um, I got the number two pick from the Commanders, their second rounder this year, and a first next year. So I'm thinking we're probably going the same direction. Actually, I'm going to go first, apparently. I can't remember the order I put these in. So I took Drake May. Um, he, I think it's really important to talk about this. You know, I'm ready to get all the hate for this pick. The people who are still thinking Justin will be here next year are not going to like this. The people who are Caleb Bust are not going to like this. Um, but in this scenario, I got a good number of picks that really could, and this really could happen if the Bears front office is out on Justin, as we think they are, and they don't trust Caleb a person or they truly have – uh, Caleb and Drake graded 1A, 1B. It's a very close gap, and they think both are going to be very successful plus the compensation. Um, this, so this is interesting. So I wanted to highlight what Drake can do and what Drake cannot do. Now, for this, I actually went to a friend, semi-friend of the podcast. He's not full friend status. Uh, Kyle Morris. You can find his stuff on Twitter, at Start Kyle Orton. Also go check us out his podcast, by the way, called Start Kyle Orton. We're on basically every podcast hosting website and drop episodes every Wednesday or Friday. But he does a really good job breaking down some of the these deeper stats and looking at film as well. And um, definitely a Drake May guy, at least uh, Drake May enthusiast. But so Drake May, two-year starter, 
threw for th- over 3,000 yards, 24 touchdowns, nine interceptions, 149 in pass rating, and rushed for nine more touchdowns at 449 yards. I mean, he's your prototypical QB size at 6'4, 230, speed, arm strength. His bloodlines are fantastic. His dad, Mark, played QB at North Carolina. Brother Luke was a two time All American, sorry, All ACC basketball player as a Tar Heel. And as Dane Brugel likes to put it, has kind of that little brother syndrome where he just feels like he's got to prove himself and fight for every last scrap he's got. Um, in 2022, North Carolina had one of the worst offensive lines in college football, but he still managed to put up some pretty impressive numbers. And then also in 2022, he became the sixth QB, QB since 2010 to post 4,000 yards, 35 passing touchdowns, 650 rushing yards, and seven rushing touchdowns in a season. That joins Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota, Johnny Menzel, and Robert Griffin. Pretty good group to be in. Drake's a really good athlete. Caleb gets all the nod for being able to move and do stuff off script, but Drake May is, is up there. Great ability to throw off platform under pressure. Can really rip it from the pocket if it's cluttered or when he's on the move. Very good arm strength, throws a lot of velocity, and he pairs that strength with accuracy at all three levels. He's got a pretty special kind of touch, and he works the middle of the field, especially intermediate and deep uh, routes more than anyone else in this class. He leads the class in A dot, or you know, refers to an NFL receiver's average depth of target. It's meant to track how far downfield the ball's traveling on average for a specific player on a total of some other targets, as well as career completion percentage on deep passes. He's only second to JJ McCarthy in the class in completion percentage on intermediate throws, but attempted intermediate passes considerably more often than JJ. He can operate within a structure at a high level, plays on time, moves through his progressions. Uh, on one of just three passers, along with Justin Fields and Kyler Murray, to manage an A dot of 10.5 or greater with an adjusted completion percentage greater than 75%. Drake, however, managed a time to throw of just 2.84 seconds, despite how frequently he throws deep, while both Kyler and Fields were well over three seconds. Drake was a quick and decisive when going deep and through with anticipation rather than waiting for guys to come open. You know, like Fields did at OSU a lot, and also Fields did do it with a much better receiving core. He's comfortable hitting NFL windows, younger even than Caleb with room to grow. He's arguably the highest floor of any draftable QB, which I think is big. Now I'm going to admit Caleb's got the higher ceiling, but that floor is very important when you're talking about a pick this high. Drake ranks above average to top five in almost every major category out of 114 QBs since 2014. 20th in ADOP, 28th in adjusted completion percentage, fifth lowest turnover-worthy play rate, fourth highest big time throw rate, second biggest big time throw to turnover worthy ratio differential 14th most rushing yards per game second 22nd best rushing yards per carry and 13th best fumble per touch now on the con side because i do want to highlight that i mean it can be pretty catastrophic he can catastrophize instead of taking an l and fighting to live another day he'll run into sacks his pressure sack rate is just okay at 19.1 percent but higher than you'd like for a guy with this type of throw sometimes lack of pass rush feel his pressure scramble rate is also higher than you'd like at 19.7%, and he attempted a throw when moves off the spot just 48% of the time, which would be slightly below NFL average. He has to get more comfortable throwing uh, when the play breaks down versus running. And he can rely a little too much on his arm. Uh, always doesn't get his lower body underneath him. If the picture changes in front of him from pre to post snap, sometimes he struggles to get off that first read. Uh, uncomfortable at times, throwing off play action. He had the lowest yards per attempt on play action passes of any QB in the class. Now, although UNC also attempted play action passes much less often than USC, Washington, or Oregon. And footwork sometimes is inconsistent. So, you know, I asked start Kyle Orton, Kyle Morris, uh, why Drake seems to be falling. Reports, you know, have him as low as QB4 by some. QB3 probably more so on average right now. 
it's pro- he was talking about prospect fatigue. You know, we see that every year. We see it a bit with Caleb right now too. Last year, Stroud was falling in a similar way just because of a crazy S two score. Box score scouting is a big thing with him. You know, he, UNC supporting cast was poop, and they lost a lot of games. Doing a blame fire. for the bad games during the end of the season. Uh, I also throw in the Heisman Trophy winner always gets a bump in James Daniels. Mystery tends to pull eyes. JJ McCarthy didn't throw a lot of passes and won a lot of games. Whether you're talking high school or college, that's kind of start to pull him up. So at the end of the day, you know, go check out Sco's Twitter and podcast. Uh, he's got some really good statistical breakdowns. Like I said, uh, he's a guy that won't change his mind too. And when you talk to him, he was a Drake May guy through and through. He's more into kind of Drake May, Caleb, all that jazz. So you know, he's definitely not a guy who's just going to stick to whatever he originally thought. Um, but yeah, that's that's my probably my longest spiel here. I know that was a lot, but I do want people to understand. Drake may, in my opinion, and by others, is truly could can be a one B and really could make sense to move if you wanted to move down for whatever reason. If you had concerns with Caleb, for what it's worth, Mason, I'm with you. I think it's in my personal rankings, it's one A, one B with with Drake and and Caleb. It's but it's for t- not even just like the floor or ceiling argument. It's just they they play the position wildly different. Like they're not the same kind of player. And I think people just have the trouble of grasping it. I would agree with that. Um, so, Danny, it's now your turn. So you <laughs> moved down to pick eight and also took a quarterback and took Jaden Daniels, Heisman Trophy winner. Okay, so let me preface this by saying I would never take Jaden Daniels as high. <laughs> J- and Jacob, well, Jaden Daniels is one of my favorite college football players to ever grace a, a, a football field. I love this dude. He is awesome at what he does the problem is he's been in college forever i do quibble with people who say he's a one-year wonder because he was not a one-year wonder go back and look at those arizona state years and how good he was there he was a very good football player there he was just carrying a doo-doo trash butter sun devils team around with herm edwards deciding that it was just okay to do whatever he wanted on the recruiting trail um and that you know what made herm lose his job to kind of give you a quick synopsis of Jaden, um, I've got some notes handy because I've watched a lot of him dating back to his freshman, true freshman year at Arizona State to now. He's been one of my favorite guys. Like, if you told me the Bears didn't already have Justin Fields and didn't hold the number one pick, I'd be pining for him because I just enjoy watching him play football. But the the biggest con to just get it out of the way is the man loves to get exploded on the football field. He has no frame of reference for where people are in terms of hitting him. He just gets – you will see probably at least two to three times a game where he's going to turn the corner or he's going to step into a sack and just get absolutely annihilated. And he is maybe 185 pounds, maybe. Like he's going to measure heavier like they all do at the combine. But he's just – he's kind of a string bean. He's taller. Um. But that being said, you see a game like I'm trying to remember the game that LSU played off the top of my head, where he three he he ran for two hundred yards and threw for like four hundred yards by himself. And I get he was throwing to Thomas and he was throwing to Malik Neighbors. I don't care. You don't do that unless you've got some special ability. That being said, takes too many sacks, holds the ball too long, avoids the middle of the field like it's the plague. Um, doesn't have a good good. He has a he has a very okay-ish arm, 
it's more just if he has to come off his first read, it ain't going anywhere else. He's going to take off because he's such a special athlete. Um, I don't, he, he's highly flawed, but highly enjoyable is how I would describe him. If you get him in the right situation where you're letting him, I don't know, kind of do like the Chip Kelly thing, I guess, where you're allowing a strong running game behind him. You're allowing him to spread him out and kind of take off running if he wants to. It has to be a very specific kind of offense. That being said, I would draft him. I'm just doing this for the exercise, like Mason described in his disclaimer for us, of what you would do with him and what and giving people a taste of what he is. He's a really fun, exciting, dynamic player at the quarterback position. He lacks a lot of traits you want. He has a lot of game-breaking ability, though. That being said, he's kind of like Kirkland brand Justin Fields for what he is. Justin's got a bigger arm. He's bigger, stronger, faster. And he's got better pedigree than Jaden did. And it took Jaden till year five to have this sort of success, even though he was a good player prior. So is he worthy of a top 15 pick? Sure. Are you going to have to live with his issues? Yeah, because I don't think he's going to fix them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Like, let's say Jaden Daniels went to, I don't know, the Giants, for the sake of argument. He sat a year behind Danny Dimes. Um, how does he do in an offense like that, where right now, out of LSU, like you just mentioned, Malik Nabors, you mentioned Thomas, he had all of the weapons you could possibly want. And when you're now going to be throwing to what the Giants have, I, as an example, at wide receiver, you know, is he able to elevate? that? Because that's kind of the thing we've talked about with Justin. Was he able to elevate those around him? In the passing game, the answer was, unfortunately, no, in terms of what we've seen so far. So um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Jaden Daniels. It'll be interesting to see what does the combine. Um, hopefully, he should be throwing. I think the only person that wouldn't be might be Caleb. Yeah, it's, it, he's a fun player. You'll enjoy his highlights. If you're only going to highlight watch, he's, the, he's easily the best player in this class. But he's just a highlight. He's got a lot of deficiencies that we can choose to ignore. And then we come to this slide, which all of us in did, right? You know, we all drafted a quarterback, so we all traded Justin. Um, we, everyone's got different ideas of where he should go, whether you're talking about value, whether you're talking about where you want Justin to succeed. And we all went to different places, which I think is very interesting. Um, you know, uh, Justin ending up going to the Falcons in one scenario. I believe Jacob had that one. Um, I had him going to the, the Steelers, getting a first-round pick out of it. And Danny had him reuniting with Luke Getze in Oakland, uh, being able to – Jacob and Vegas. both snagged second round picks. I snagged it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then Jacob traded again. Uh, mm-hmm. He took hit that uh, ninth pick and moved down to thirteen with the Raiders. And any walk through like the thought process there, Jacob? Yeah. So I will say that my top preference is the Bears end up with Caleb Williams at one, and then one of the top three receivers in the class at number nine. So probably not Marvin Harrison Jr. Realistically, he's not going to be there. But if one of Malik neighbors or Roma Dunze falls to number nine, uh, they become my top priority for Chicago. I don't think both of them will be available. I think there's a chance one of them will. In this, the way that the mock draft scenario played out, both of them were gone by the time that I was on the clock. Uh, And Brock Bowers was gone too to, you know, kind of, really hammer home all right you're kind of screwed here so uh what i decided to do is i traded down and i know the raiders you know obviously with uh danny having traded with uh them to, you know to give them justin fields 
I decided that the Raiders are going to move up for a quarterback in this case, and they ended up taking J.J. McCarthy with the number nine pick. I got a second rounder out of the deal, uh, and I still stayed inside the top 15. So at the number nine pick, I feel like it's kind of limited as to how many people I'd seriously consider there without trading down. If you again, like I said, if you can get a neighbors or Odunze or even a Brock Bowers, I'd be ecstatic just staying there and getting one of those guys for your offense. But otherwise, I mean, I don't know if there's an edge rusher I'd take in the top 10 in this class. The offensive tackles are good, but is it really enough of a need? What are you going to do with Braxton Jones? I know you say don't draft for need, but uh, when you have Darnell Wright, who's a good young tackle, Braxton Jones, who's a good young tackle. Uh, I just don't think it's likely they take one there at nine. Uh, so I just decided to trade down here, take advantage of the uh, you know the buzz surrounding McCarthy right now, and then uh, net the Bears another day two pick. Yeah, I mean between uh, the Justin trade and this one, being able to snag two second rounders, I mean that's that's huge when they currently don't have one. All right, Danny and I same page at pick nine. I'm going to take it because he just walked out of the room. Uh, Malik <laughs> Neighbors, wide receiver out of LSU. This is the scenario that Jacob just talked about. I was lucky enough that I had one of those receivers sitting there uh, and happened to be Malik Neighbors. Uh, so for me, you know, six foot, 200 pounds, a lot of comps for Malik, but I see him as DJ Moore 2.0 personally. Um, over his collegiate career, Neighbors has recorded a total of 186 receptions for o- almost 3,000 yards and 21 touchdowns. There's a reason why some ask how much of Jaden Daniels' ascension in this year in particular was due to Jaden's play versus the strength of his weapons, and part of it's because Malik is amazing. Uh, pro, explosive route runner who can shift gears like nothing, huge mismatch against any DB, uh, exceptional ball skills, tracks mid-stride adjustments effectively, timing and awareness helps increase his catch radius, making underthrown balls an easy catch, can play out of the slot and outside, contested catches are nothing for him, and I like his ability to generate yards after catch, elusive with that lower half con side there's a question about his motor you know if you look at tape earlier in 2022 there's some inconsistency you really want to see that game to game grind when it comes to stacking and separating against some of the tighter coverage from top corners there are some questions his vertical game is not as elite as you'd like it just taking the top off route tree could be my more diverse while he could eat in the slot with his agility mastering a wider array of releases and routes would be great consistently high pointing balls but pure speed, like I mentioned, down the boundary is kind of a gray area. And, you know, you'd like to see him get off the press better. I mean, all in all, though, Malik Neighbors is pretty much the complete package of explosiveness. I'm being nitpicky here. Uh, his acceleration and strength that allows him to be a great route runner and physically dominant and run after catch situations. It's a great pick and would be a wide receiver one in pretty much any draft that didn't have Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I was here. I didn't realize I muted my mic. I was just turning on lights in my. Uh... The nursery because we lost our office when the baby was born i now record in the nursery That's so true, you know stupid baby she's actually a month old today so sorry yeah. not to get off track happy month not to get day. not to not, not to get off track but um i know i just want to kind of throw my two cents the big thing that i think it is and i think it's just the offense brian kelly runs they don't really ask those receivers even going back to Notre dame cincinnati to run a very diverse route tree it's not what that what they do with the object is to just score points and spread them out, throw them where they ain't kind of thing. Um, my comp, honestly, when I watched him, I know DJ Moore is the sexy one. He kind of reminds me like a cracked out golden tape where t- people forget how good he was 
And he, he did a lot of his damage from the dirt slot, a lot of run after catch stuff, a lot of problems, very slippery and elusive and, and like, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for there, but like just in his lower half, just real had a lot of, a lot of dexterity there and ability to kind of wiggle his way free. And plus golden Tate was always a highlight in the open field in terms of if he knew he was gone, he would kind of let you know it. So that that's kind of why I see it's not a perfect comp, but I don't think there's a such thing as a perfect comp for any of these guys. No, no. you're just trying to look for different traits that, you know, you've seen before. And that's who he kind of reminded me of when he coming out of Notre Dame was a, Golden Tate and Malik Neighbors. Uh, Jacob, you mentioned your preference would have been to take one of the top receivers if, if they had been available. Do you have a preference between specifically Malik and Rome? Uh, I do, but it's a very narrow one. So I have a Doomsday as my wide receiver two and the Neighbors as my wide receiver three. But again, like you said, I feel like uh, Neighbors would be wide receiver one in a majority of these last couple draft classes. Uh as I believe Rome would be too. I know uh, with where I'm at on Odunze, I think that, you know, the size is bigger with, you know, Odunze is a bigger guy. Uh, I think he's a bit more reliable in contested situations. Obviously neighbors is the better uh, athlete. I think Rome is a bit more polished as a route running technician. And, you know, that's not to say that neighbors isn't that because I think he took, you know, massive steps in 2023 compared to, a lot in 2022, I saw him mostly just winning with pure athleticism. Uh, I think Neighbor showcased the, uh, you know, just an understanding of leverage through his stems and the ability to, you know, set defensive backs up in one direction and then attack them in the other. Uh, I think that Neighbors just his route running at Q in terms of his footwork and his hands usage, uh, footwork especially, got better uh, in 2023. But I do think that Odunze has shown – a more consistent route running awareness, if that makes sense. The ability to exploit zone coverage, to find soft spots and the ability to attack that, the ability to uh, create separation from press coverage, the ability to you know win against essentially any coverage from any alignment. Uh, I mean, I, I love all three receivers though. Yeah. All the three guys, you know, that's, it's just minor nitpicking stuff at that point. But again, if neighbors is available at th- at nine and the bears take him, I'm going to be doing hard roles. I think that, yeah. is the, you know, maybe the most fun receiver to watch in this class is, you know, you guys summed it up really well. He's got all the tools in the world, especially athletically uh, to be a stud in this league for sure. I think Jacob put it right. I think I, I would have the same preference of Rome just because he'd be a better fit as like the Z to the X to DJ like not that there's anything wrong with the redundancies but when you rather have a more diverse complement of wide receivers versus just a bunch of guys who are kind of the same dude not that I, like I would not complain about Malik getting drafted I want that to be clear I'm just saying from an aesthetic standpoint of what it would look like I think Rome is the better seamless fit in terms of what he does no, 100%. I mean, that's where I'm at to round it out I mean I would I currently right now also prefer Rome um if for that exact reason like two GJ Moores really cool but at the same time would it be nice to have dj Moore and then something a different set of skills yes uh jacob is up from that pick where he would trade it back taking jared verse edge out of florida state yeah so i'll say with verse i can i keep going back and forth 
uh, about which edge rusher I have as the top one in my in this class. I think that verse uh, Leatu Latu out of UCLA and Dallas Turner out of Alabama are all very close on my board, and Chop Robinson from Penn State isn't super far behind either. I actually just published uh, my scouting report of Verse over at Windy City Gridiron today, and I said there, and I stick by it, that I think Verse has the highest floor of those three edge rushers. I think he's the safest pick that you can make there, and therefore, uh, with Turner's inconsistencies on tape, with Lot Two's injury history, uh, there isn't really that as much variance with verse. So he's my top edge rusher in this class right now. I see someone who's flexible. I see someone who plays extremely hard with the, you know, consistent motor to get into opposing backfields, to get to the quarterback, as well as disengage against the run Uh, quick off the line of scrimmage has a bunch of different moves he can use to beat you. Uh, You know, you're looking, you know, swipes, rips, he's got a, you know, solid swim move in his arsenal. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure I've seen him utilize ghost moves from time to time. You know, he's flexible enough that he can pull those off. Uh, And I think that over the course of his collegiate career, uh, his situational awareness against the run was a lot better too. Just having an understanding of, all right, the running backs coming into my gap. This is what I need to do in order to stack and shed this block in order to disengage and free myself up to make the tackle. I think verse did a, you know, a very good job of growing in that over the course of his time at Florida state not the strongest edge rusher in this class. I think that's the one knock on him, really. Uh, not the biggest guy either. But at the same time, I feel like he's going to be able to contribute in just about any base scheme, whether he's standing up or he's got his hand in the dirt. I think in this case, uh, obviously, the, you know, there's a chance the Bears address edge rusher in free agency. And in this case, you know, probably not going to take an edge rusher in the, you know, the first round. But in a scenario where you utilize those, you know, that cap space with, you know, to other positions, utilize capital at, you know, maybe center or safety or receiver or something like that. And you still have a needed edge rusher, then versus the guy that I'd be very happy with, especially if you get a chance to uh, trade back and pick up another second rounder in the process. Yeah. And this would align with what a new bears defensive coordinator Washington said today, where, He's aiming to have the Bears have one of the best pass rushes in the league. So adding verse would help with that. I think to Jacob's point with that, it's hard to it, – it's not hard. It's, it's damning to say, but he's safe. I feel like I know what verse is going to be. Like his ceiling may be limited because of the things he may not be able to do, but he can do a lot of things already. He's very well-rounded. Yeah. Versus like in the last – Two week two weeks ago, mock I ended up taking Turner just because of that athletics ceiling being so high and what. It, but there is inconsistencies in that, so he's not as safe of a pick as Big uh, Danny said. All right, so I am up after my trade with the Steelers. Uh, just as a reminder, I also kicked them a future fourth uh, in order to make the deal work. I ended up taking the Hoss in this draft. One of my favorite players that I hope somehow the Bears can figure out how to get is Jackson Powers Johnson, center out of Oregon here at pick 20. This interior offensive line class is deep, yet JPJ stands out well above the rest, in my opinion. Day one starter, no question. Size, power, athleticism, toughness. Team captain, good communicator, which is big for a center. We remember the issues that James Daniels had at center and Mitch requesting to have a different center. Um, Remember when James – this won't be a problem here. You can play anywhere on the O-line, but center is where you want him. 
fast, strong anchor uses his 334 pounds of pure mass to become a nearly immovable object. Yet with that mass, his a ballerina in space, insane lateral agility and acceleration for his size. If he does get beat off the snap, he uses his hands full to recover, gets to second level with ease, quick twitch, explosive run blocker, excelling in both gap and zone schemes. He's got limited snaps, only 16 starts, though he did start as a deep defensive tackle his freshman year. So, you know, if you like that, uh, upright playing style and wide hand placement sometimes, which exposes his chest to defenders, leading to some stalemates. At times, blitz processing seems to lapse, and you want to see more physical finishes in space. 79-inch wingspan can be taken advantage of by longer defenders, and he can clean up his footwork and penalties. He had five false starts in 2023 as a center. I don't know how you do that. You're holding the ball. Don't, don't false start. Um, but with some technical adjustments, particularly in reducing his upright stance and improving his hand placement, those are high on the to-do list to ensure he maximizes his effectiveness against NFL defensive linemen. Uh, these tweaks are manageable and typical for rookies making the leap, and he just has all of the tools that you want. Uh, for those who are saying, why are you drafting a center this high? First of all, it's very important for the Bears. Uh, second of all, you know, he's just that kind of caliber player. Um, Danny, would you be pro a center this early? Sure, why not? I think Jackson Powers Johnson is awesome. Um, there's not much he can't do, and, he, and he's young, too. He was one of the first juniors to ever be at the at the Senior Bowl this year, along with a few others. But I think... I think you're going to see him go higher just because of. He, I think he's going to test well. I think the t- the tape is undeniable on him. He just happens to play center, like, which is going to push him down a little bit. But if they somehow ended up getting that second or that second first rounder or third first rounder rather from Pittsburgh, then yeah, by all means, go do it. What's funny is he's actually a total Steelers pick, which and it's funny that you ended up with him at the Steelers pick in your little trade scenario. Funny how it all works out. All right. So I also just uh, mo- ended up moving down with my second round pick. I moved back one spot and gained another fourth rounder. I thought it was important to have <laughs> up here. So, <laughs> you know, just, yeah. Yeah, just one spot. Who cares? Uh, quick break, and then we're going to ch- churn through the rest of this mock. All right. We're back. Apparently, I'm up again. Didn't realize that. So, round two, pick 37 um, after my trade, a back of one spot. So, that does actually make a degree of sense. Um, I ended up needing to go the other side of the ball. Um, Got a lot of offensive firepower in the first round. And in this scenario, the Bears don't get an edge in free agency. So, they draft one. Jonah Ellis, edge out of Utah. 2023, he played in 10 games and significantly increased the snap count to 573. He had a stat line of 17 tackles, six assists, 25 stops, and you add in 41 total pressures. 26 of those were QB hurries, and 13 of those were sacks. Explosive first step, plays the run well and physical and physically with ability to set the edge. Can shed blockers with strong grip and shoulders. High motor with a relentless pursuit. And I like his pass rush arsenal. There's some versatility and creativity there. Comes from a football family, which I think does blend to that football IQ. Con, eh, small frame, 6'1, 243. Tightness in his hips that limits his lateral agility and flexibility. He wants to want more out of his bend. This doesn't fold as well. So I think, you know, at the seeing him at the combine, seeing how he goes around that stupid drill they have with the football on a stick uh, is going to be really interesting. Uh, powerful lineman can overwhelm him. And he's had some injuries over the last two years. And they're starting to mount up partially torn labrum in his shoulder. And that is why he only played 10 games. Uh, his comp right now, 
a blend between Will McDonald and Felix and and Nduke Uzuma. I'm going to butcher that last name. But the edge on the Chiefs, that's that's who he's also like. Uh, yeah, just needed to, needed to get some defense going. You know who he reminds me of, Jacob? Oboe coming out of Oklahoma a couple years ago. Mm, okay. I can just see that. The smaller, just technician of a pass rusher kind of thing. Like, yeah. That's just kind of who he reminds me of. It's not perfect. I've only watched, admittedly, like a game of his, like in all 22, not broadcast. So it's very early on. But just the the one game I watched, I was like, that's kind of reminiscent of Oboe coming out. Yeah, no, I don't I don't dislike that comparison at all, honestly. And I feel like he's someone who obviously has the size limitations, and I feel like that can sometimes show up for him in the run game. But like you guys have said, he's, you know, quick off the snap. He's got a nice arsenal of pass rushing techniques that he can use arsenal. to exactly. Uh he can use to to win off the snap. And one good thing about his uh you know his shorter frame is naturally he's the lower man at the point of attack so you know don't really have to worry about pad level a ton with him when he's engaged in contact mm-hmm. uh so I, I like ellis uh i don't have him uh this high admittedly but i do think he's gonna go day two i think he's someone who uh once you get down from that top tier of you know the verse lot to turner chop uh, you can make a good argument that Ellis is the next guy up. Uh, so I, you know, especially if you need an edge rusher in this class, regardless of whether you sign someone in free agency, I'd love to, you know, continue to add this edge class. Exactly. Uh, you know, just stack up this, you know, at edge rusher, build like Air Washington said that uh, that do- that dominant one of the best pass rushes in the NFL, and I think Ellis would certainly get you closer to that. Danny, you're up. Round two, pick 43. A man after my own heart. This is, I was going to say, Jacob's going to like this. If I had to handpick one edge defender in this class that Matt Eberflus is going to be salivating over, it is this young man right here. He is 6'5", every bit of probably 290 pounds, big, long, levered arms. He's well proportioned. Like you see some guys, if they're at their weights, like they're sometimes top heavy, got that jailhouse body. Some guys are all lower half. He is very well proportioned. He's got big legs, big, broad shoulders. Um, I really enjoyed his tape mainly because what was the big thing we talked about with like DeMarcus Walker coming over last year from Tennessee inside, outside versatility. Mm-hmm. He offers the same kind of versatility, I think at the at the next level. Um, I also really enjoy the fact that he is just brute, power he's he is developing his his pass rush moves and i think a lot of times maybe you could speak to a jacob having probably seen him in person yeah he almost looks like he's thinking through when he's trying to pass rush like you can tell he's like oh swipe here chop here do whatever he's trying to do it's like i know coach says i need to do this so i'm going to try and do this to try to make sure i'm doing what i'm coached to do yeah at his best he's a bull rusher it's all power. It's all long arm. It's all let me get into your body. Use these long tree tree vines to push you away. He's got almost thirty five inch arms, I believe. He was measured at at the combine or not the combine, the senior bowl. Um, I really like his fit, especially given what we know they like at edge defenders in this defense under Matt Eberflus. It's funny how we think of it with Lovey, the smaller, shorter, faster pass rushers. Even under Tony Dungy in Indianapolis, where it was like Freeney and it was Robert Mathis. 
And Flus seems to go the other way. He wants these bigger, heavier, longer, almost freak athlete types. Um, the other thing that's going to hamper Robinson, I think, is he, he tends to play high, like at times, just because I think it's nature of being six foot five. But if I if you told me I could pick one edge in this class to give to this regime, it would probably be him. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, I'm a big fan of Darius Robinson as well. Uh, I've had him as a day two prospect for, you know, majority of this, you know, this season itself. I had this a, seems like the right, the right area mid two is where I would yeah, think. Yeah. I think this is about where he should go. He might go a little bit higher just because of the tools and what he had at the senior bowl, what it, people expect him to do at the combine. He's, you know, the hot prospect right now. Uh, but they're having watched Robinson, develop over these last few years he was on my radar as a prospect last year but decided to go back to school i think that worked out gangbusters for him because mm-hmm. last year uh and you still saw it a little bit this year some of that raw uh you know processing still a little bit of a work in progress uh pad level can be an issue for him from time to time but he got better you watch him from 2022 to 2023 He's more decisive. He's got more moves he can use to win, whether it's inside or outside, uh, along with the insane length, the athleticism, the physicality that have always been there with him. Dude, uh, he's so violent. He's such a violent football yeah. player. It's I love great. just watching like the ferocity, like when he has that initial jab, when he locks up with you. He's oh, – God, I wouldn't want to be one of those offensive linemen, I'll tell you that. That's like a yeah. gunshot I, to the t- like, like I said, the one thing I want him to do is stop looking like he's thinking. I, yeah. And you can tell when he gets dis, when he has to disengage and try to the adjust to the adjustment, right? It's what we always talk about in baseball or football or whatever it is when people learn what you're doing. When it seems like people figure him out, he's not thinking of like, oh, how do I combat this? What is the adjust back adjustment back to the adjustment? All right, next, Jacob, round two, pick 43. We got Xavier Worthy, wide receiver out of Texas. Oh, boy. (laughs) I'm going to shut up here. (laughs) (laughs) So I think with Worthy, you went Caleb Williams, you went Jared Verse here, and now you have two second-round picks in my mock. Uh, Worthy was the top receiver, at least on my board, available with this pick, and he's someone where you're getting athleticism, you're getting lightning in a bottle with him, Uh, just a – dynamic athlete with, you know, very good deep speed. He's the type of guy I expect him to run quite well in a, you know, an athletic testing sort of situation. Uh, he's someone who can make you miss in the open field. He's someone, he's someone who's got a lot of, uh, he's got quick feet near the line of scrimmage, the ability to beat press, even if he's a skinnier receiver, uh, just because of how good his feet are. And he showcases, you know, some solid hand quickness, you know, trying to break free for man coverage. I have concerns. The reason I don't have him as a first round pick is one, he's super skinny. And two, he gets a case of the dropsies from time to time. And that's something that I think will knock him into round two. But the athleticism is there. The yak ability is there. The route running is there. And I think that he's a much more refined route runner than someone like, say, a Kadarius Tony coming out with someone who, you know, so much of his value came because of his athleticism, because of what he can do after the catch. And despite those drop issues, I think Worthy's a better route runner than Tony. 
or you know someone like that, uh, like a Jalen Rager maybe. Uh, I think that Worthy is, you know, a superior player to both of them coming out. Uh, he's someone I think could immediately play on the field side. He's got you give him a lot of space. He can play outside. He can win inside as a slot receiver. Uh, I'm a big fan of what he brings to the table athletically and the different ways that you can create separation. So. Definitely, you're not taking him with the expectation he's going to be a wide receiver one because he has his limitations. But if you can't get a receiver in round one and you can't get a, you know, like a massive wide receiver two, uh, if you don't spend money on like a T. Higgins or a Mike Evans or whoever the hell, uh, then I think Worthy would be a really good pick here in round two. That brings up an interesting point, not to backtrack too far, but, you know, obviously free agency before, before the draft. If you don't go get one of those guys you just talked about, Jacob, and then the draft doesn't fall your way with some of those receivers, or in theory may not be falling your way, guys are coming off the board. Uh, what do you do to make sure that you have truly your number, your wide receiver too? Because, like you said, you know maybe Xavier is not like a fully what you want there. I mean, are you getting more aggressive and trading up in the draft? Like you're going from nine to seven just to make sure you have that and don't have to fall into this this worry, or are you comfortable enough having a guy like Xavier Worthy? being number two behind a DJ more. I mean, I'd consider a trade up for sure. Like if you're looking at seven and, you know, or even looking at eight, if you trade Justin Fields to the Falcons, I definitely consider utilizing a trade up from nine to eight as a potential opportunity. Uh, but if you're at seven here, the Titans, I have, I have a feeling they're probably going to go offensive tackle. I feel like that's the smart move for them. Yeah. Maybe they'll go receiver. I don't know, but they desperately need to protect Will Levis. They have Peter Skaronsky and, you know, Aaron Brewer is going to be a free agent and then who the hell else? Uh, so I think offensive line is going to be huge for them, but they could go receiver in theory. Giants could in theory. Chargers could in theory. Uh, so there's a lot of competition. Falcons maybe even could. I don't yeah. think they will, but you never know. Maybe they want to go offense heavy again, add another weapon, but uh yeah I, I think you look to trade up but if you can't like absolute and i don't want to say worst case scenario because i don't think this is the worst case scenario but if you trade if you trade down from nine and you don't get a receiver in round one uh then i think someone like worthy would be great you find a high-end wide receiver free a three in free agency i wouldn't overpay too much for a guy because this is a really good receiver class in the draft and I feel like even if you don't get someone in round one, you can still get a good starter in round two. And I think that's what happened here. So, uh, yeah, long-winded answer to saying I think that you don't invest super heavy at receiver as like a, you know, a backup plan. I'd say sign your wide receiver three if you can. Uh, but as far as wide receiver two goes, I feel like you could probably get that in the first two rounds. Beautiful. Danny, round two, pick 44. Guy that I uh, picked in the last episode we did of this, Javon Bullard, safety out of Georgia. Um, not going to cover him too much because I know you guys did cover him in the last episode of this. Um, the first thing that pops out to me, the few games I've watched of him, very instinctive, heady safety. Just seems very natural in coverage, has a natural eye eyesight for the ball, is able to track track him down. I, I also think the other thing that I notice is he's kind of diminutive, and that worries me at the next level. Um, just because, believe it or not, football is a contact sport. You run into things full speed, and that's kind of bad for your body. Yeah, you already have and, a safety that gets banged up a lot. So, Yeah, and you already have one of those, right. 
Um, but I do think he's like the kind of perfect complement to Daquan Brisker and a kind, the kind of the perfect successor to Eddie Jackson as he's a player sort of in the same vein. Now you do have to obviously worry about some things. I believe he has a DUI in his past. I don't know exactly what that means to this regime, if anything. Um, and I also do wonder sometimes how I, I don't like using the word soft. I'm trying to, how did I phrase it before? Sure. Oh, co- contact adverse, not exactly something he really enjoys. And that's kind of funny, but I do think he's a really, really good football player and he'll fall for a number of reasons to around this point, but this is solid value and probably right, right around where he should go. Now he may go higher because ball production is there, but yeah, not going to go to, there's no need to cover him that in depth again. All right, moving on. Jacob round two, pick 44, the man with the chain, Cameron oh, Kitchens, dude, I, safety, I Miami. Cam Kitchen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Cameron Kitchens is my top safety in this class right now, and it just so happened to work out that he was available for me at 44. Uh, you know, obviously, like Danny mentioned, you know, safety is probably going to be something that they look for, whether it's, you know, free agency or the draft, you're trying to find an Eddie Jackson replacement. If you're looking for that rangy type of free safety, I think you can't get better in this class than Kitchens. Uh, you know, tremendous range. I think he's, you know, smart in coverage. He's a very good athlete. He's someone who can – you know, go up and attack the ball quite well. Uh, the ball production is incredible. Uh, I am Googling as we speak because I don't have it in my notes right now. But, uh, yeah, okay, 11 interceptions over the last two years. That'll do just fine. That's yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not too good. bad. Pretty and, good. yeah, and that, uh, you know, the production is incredible. But, obviously, you're watching the tape and – it's no surprise that he has that many interceptions with how well he moves in coverage, how quick he processes in coverage. Not the biggest guy out there, not the most physical tackling safety. I think there are going to be some issues with him as a tackler in terms of, uh, you know, if you do want to play him closer to the line of scrimmage, he can't shed blocks all that well. But I think I think Kinchins is the best safety in this class. And, uh, yeah, I think he'd be a good compliment to Jaquan Brisket. So if the opportunity does come, then I'd be a fan of it. Yeah, I was really just going to say the way you're describing him. I mean, he does sound like a good, that perfect free safety pairing with Brisker, just in terms of what he does well. I mean, he wouldn't, you wouldn't need Kinchins, right, to play up uh, as close as. Uh, in a, in an ideal world, Mason, I think I would, what, something I would love is one of my, my favorite defensive formation is Big Nickel. Yeah. In an ideal world, you can draft him and then sign Jeremy Chin, who has a, who has a history oh. with Phil Snow, and there's your Big Nickel package. But I'm just, that's just me. I, I I don't know anything. I'm just saying – and, you know, I'm a SIU grad. And, you know, fun. where Jeremy Chin went to school, Mr. Man? <laughs> Southern Illinois University dogs. Go Saluki. Sorry, got to plug my university because I Saluki. don't ever get to do that. Love it. <laughs> Danny, keep on going. Round three, pick 74. We got a manimal, Christian Mahogany, Boston College. First thing that pops to me, the very minimal stuff, easy mover, real good athlete at his size. I think he's got guard center versatility. Um, he seems to be climbing up draft boards right now, um, despite playing for a lackluster Boston College Golden Eagles squad. Um, I I don't think this is too high or too low. I think it's probably, again, about right. 
he I could see him depending on how he tests if he tests well um climbing even further because of the the interior versatility um but it kind of cool him and the Bears D- GM Ryan Pohl share an alma mater so that could play into it that the I, I don't really have enough to say about him because I haven't watched a ton of them, but I just figured it was good value based on the, what the word was coming out of the senior bowl and the limited I had watched. Yeah. So Jacob, I, if you have anything to add, chime in. By all I would say like from what I'm hearing right around here is where he should be going. And he's, I think he might even just creep higher too. But. Yeah. I mean, I think that this is pretty fair value for mahogany. Uh, and I'm glad that he got, he's getting attention because you know, his, uh, 2021 tape was really good. Then 2022, he suffered a torn ACL. And then this year he was able to put together some tape. So, uh, yeah, I'm a fan of Mahogany for sure. I think that he's going to be limited in terms of just pure athleticism, but he's nasty. He's nasty. He's got a really strong anchor. He's stout. I'm a really big fan of uh, the weight distribution with him, uh, even if he doesn't have like the highest ceiling from an athletic perspective, I think he's going to be a solid starter at the next level. Yeah, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a minus athlete. So, yeah, that's good. Danny's apartment smells of rich mahogany. <laughs> I'm up round three, pick seventy five. A lot of safeties <laughs> going. It's like it's a need or something. Uh, I went with Sion Vaki, safety out of Utah. Um, I didn't have the second round pick because I ended up getting the first for the Justin trade, and I didn't end up trading back enough to, to do that. So. Here, I think it's – this is a risk. I'm not going to lie. Um, he is a versatile chess piece, Swiss Army knife, if you would, who can contribute on offense and defense and special teams. It was a catalyst for Utah's defense and had a breakout 2023 season. Helped on offense when the team's backfield was just obliterated with injuries. He had 59 tackles, two pass breakups, and an interception on defense. But on offense, he had 42 carries for 317 yards with an average of 7.5 yards per carry and two touchdowns explosive athlete with very good straight line speed has good size for either running back or safety as a DB uh, Utah utilized Vaki as all over the formation. He spent time as a single high defender in the slot in the box. He was the most effective in the slot where he can be physical with runners early on the route and close quickly on runners near the line of scrimmage. He displayed above average vision as a runner and had the straight line speed to stick his foot in the ground and explode through the hole, run strong and displays very good contact balance outstanding receiver out of the backfield, which the Bears have lacked overall, displaying soft hands and runs uh, well after the catch. Cons, he saw action in every game in 2022, but only made five starts at safety before starting every game in 2023. So, you know, lack of starts is a question mark for evaluators, but so is what is he in the NFL? There have been tweeners, you know, that we've seen kind of do meh, Jabril Peppers, Justin Simmons are examples of those guys where it's like, where do you put him? Um, and that's just on one side of the ball. It's for him, it's which side of the ball do you play him on? Uh, lacks the length to excel in man-to-man coverage against tight ends. Likely just a reps issue as he has the build and demeanor to be a plus tackler, but he could use some technical work on that tackling. Uh, if I were drafting Vaki purely as a defensive back, you know, he would be a late day three preferred UDFA kind of guy, but you know, I would likely want to sign a veteran in this case to start next year and have Vaki take over some as he proves if he could be a true impact player. But he can definitely be a special teams guy for sure at a minimum. So, like I said, this is a risk. It might be a little high for him, but just that versatility just is cool. I mean, I'm just playing Madden right now, I guess. But um, <laughs> to have the idea of a guy who he clearly – he's a gamer. He's going to step up to the challenge you give him. He's so athletic. 
And, you know, being able to have that at free safety is just something that's very tantalizing for me. Plus, being able to then have him take some onus off the backfield uh, and on the offensive side. Crickets on Vaki. Danny, you're up. Round three, oh, pick 75. I, like I, I do have something on Vaki. But okay, give, give it to me. Real quick. Uh, yeah, so I think – well, just real quick, I think your uh, summation was very accurate. Uh from a physicality perspective, from a speed perspective, there's a lot to like there. The versatility is obviously massive. Uh, I think that for a one-year starter, he processes pretty well in coverage. You know, there's still some lapses from time to time, and I agree that his technique as a tackler isn't quite there, but he still plays his ass off in run support or as a tackler after the catch. So uh, I, I won't get in the way any further because I see who's on our screen right now, and I'll let Danny talk about him. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm with you uh, as far as Vaki. I think there's upside there. Uh, maybe a little bit of a risk, but you know, tools are there for him to succeed. Danny, take it away. So Tavondre Sweat is, mm -hmm. I'm sure, is anyone who has talked draft or football with me enough, it comes as no surprise as a dude that is just going to be one of my guys. I love me an old school space eating nose tackle. And Tavondre Sweat is a big fella, to say the least. Um, my man eats double teams for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and does not give up ground. He is big and strong and powerful and actually flashes from time to time a pretty nasty first step for a man his size. I think he actually is going to run better than people think. Um, limited, though. He kind of what you see is what you get. Um, he's he's just large. He, a big man can only move so fast unless he's a certified freak in nature, and he's not. He's he's exactly what you think he is. Um, but I think next to Gervon Dexter, I think it could be a nice pairing, especially because as much as I like Andrew Billings, he is on the older side of being a football player, and you need someone to take over for him and. I would hold no qualms if Ryan Poles was just like, yes, get me the big man and just double dip on the defensive line for big fellas for Eberflus and, and Washington to develop and keep developing that pass rush. And you always need run stoppers. You always, always, always need run stoppers. And I think despite his limited capabilities, he does flash every now and again some pass rush ability prowess. But if you had just – had to ask me who one of my favorite players to watch in this class is on the defensive line. It's him just because I know exactly what he is and it's awesome. Like I, I maybe I'm wrong, but there was a rep there that popped at the senior ball automobile where he's literally eating two guys in a two on one in terms of a double team. And I was like, this is awesome. And he's not moving. <laughs> You hear this a lot uh, around NFL draft time is that very quickly in the NFL, a strength can become a weakness. And, you know, people are going to say, you know, they just signed Billings to an extension. Why do you need a guy like this? And it's exactly like you said, you know, Billings is on the older side. He's, you know, every football player is one injury away from it being their last season. So stacking youth at a very important position. Eric Washington talked about that today, about how uh, the Bears defense did a very good job last year of making teams one-dimensional by taking away the run. Like Danny said, you can you can't have enough run stoppers, especially because let's be real, they big boys and need big breaks. He's a really good football player, man. He's he's boring. He's a boring player to watch because you know exactly what he is, but he's really damn good at what he does. 
Yeah, he's the type of guy he'll maybe get you like if you're lucky two or like two or three sacks. But my God, I, I'm with <laughs> you there. I'm I have a I have an early round two on him. So mm. if you can get, I'm higher on him than PFF is. So if you can get him here in round three, I'd be sprinting to the podium. So I, th- I, I love. Him. I think production in what he is like floor wise, he should be in the second round. It's just what he does isn't valuable anymore. It's yeah. he does he doesn't collapse the pocket he doesn't he's I I, I shouldn't say it's not value it's not valuable it's devalued yeah he's not a sexy prospect by any means no he's not 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 like his counterpart on the interior of that line yeah Jacob round three pick seventy five we're gonna get a center someone again I picked in the last mock Cedric Van Pran out of Georgia yeah so Van Pran obviously you know I feel like. Any Bears fan who's been paying attention to the draft knows who Van Pran is. Just out of default, he's been one of the top centers in this class. He was well-known last draft cycle. He carried over. So naturally, people don't scout the draft like too intensely. They're going to know who Van Pran is just because they've heard his name before. Uh, I have Van Pran as my center number four in this class. So that's behind – Jackson Powers Johnson. I have Graham Barton kicking in at center from Duke and then Zach Frazier from West Virginia. So Van Prant, I never really thought he was the, Oh, he's an early second round pick that a lot of people mocked him as. Uh, But I think in round three, this is good value for Van Prant. You're looking at a guy who's, you know, experienced at the collegiate level. He packs a mean punch uh, you know, he's a strong offensive lineman, thickly built, uh, and he blocks his ass off. I think that, you know, he can be limited a little bit athletically, but there's still a lot to like with the effort and the mean streak that he blocks with. And he's solid enough in terms of uh, acceleration off the line of scrimmage. I think uh, flexibility can be a little bit of an issue for him sometimes, but uh, I think he's someone he can be a solid starter in the league. Uh, maybe not the highest upside, but again, if you're, you know, you're taking a center in round three, realistically, you know what you're going to get. Uh, but I do think that Van Pran's going to be a starter in the league. I think he can be solid. I think he can be maybe not like the sec again, not the sexiest pick in the world, but he's someone who can step in and quietly be a steady starter. Maybe not like an all pro type, but I don't think you're going to have to be too worried with Van Pran at the next level. Do you think he's a day two two prong question? Do you think he's yeah. a day one starter? And if so, do you have any qualms with starting both a center and rookie, or sorry, and quarterback rookie for like protections and things of that nature? Yeah. So if you're getting a Van Pran, then I would like to see someone else added in free agency. Uh, you know, ideally, my personal opinion, I think that they draft or they sign a free agent center to be the starter to be the guy. Uh, but if you end up with, you know, say an Evan Brown out of Seattle, who's got ties to this offensive scheme, he's a solid enough center, not amazing. So I still feel like you could get some interior offensive line help, and that's where Van Pran would come in. I don't know if I'd be willing to start him day one. You definitely need some sort of competition. Mm. Uh, I wouldn't give the starting position to a third-round rookie at center just unearned. Uh, so you have to have some other sort of body here if you're going to wait to this point to draft a center. But 
by the end of the year, I feel like there, you know, it's a realistic possibility that you're looking at, okay, Van Pryan is pretty easily our guy at center and then just roll with that for however long. Totally makes sense. I'm up round four pick one Oh five. My guy, Bucky Irving running back out of Oregon. He is a local guy kid. Hillcrest high school in country club Hills, Illinois did not play his senior year in 2020 due to COVID. Um, went to University of Minnesota first before transferred to Oregon. Uh, 2023 as a junior, ran for over 1,000 yards on 172 attempts and 10 touchdowns. And as a receiver, 52 receptions for 377 yards. I mean, this kid's a playmaker. Hyper-efficient and potential turn any play into a touchdown. High-end speed and explosive. Accelerates quickly and maintains speed given his size. Will always fight for extra yards and well-suited for outside zone and gap schemes since he can just hit the edge like no problem. His receiver can run routes from the backfield or the slot, something the Bears have missed since, let's be real, Tariq Cohen. You know, he is a lighter frame. Can he add bulk without losing that speed that he's got? And he can leave rush lanes a little too early looking for the home run. Takes a, on too much of the weight of the offense upon himself instead of taking advantage of what is given to him by the defense. I guess that's what happened when you have Bo Nix as your quarterback. Receiving skills, while strong, are primarily limited to short passes and screens, but he has some room to grow there. And pass blocking is a question mark um you haven't really seen much of it and it just doesn't really ask to do it uh, he is a ton of fun to watch for every misread or miscalculation he has i mean there are just so many big runs that just take the you know the breath out of the defense his ability to outrun defenders and create havoc in space is just unnatural and projects as an important high volume runner in a backfield rotation at the nfl level but you know he should be able to become potentially even like an every down back in that rotation yeah, and I think that if you're drafting a running back in this class, it'd be helpful to have, like, like we were talking about at receiver, you know, it's nice to have a variance of different skill sets. You can't have all just the same guy. You know, the defense is going to be ready for that. You need someone to mix it up. I think Bucky Irving would be exactly that because he's more athletic than, you know, say a Khalil Herbert or Roshan Johnson. He's more elusive. He's not as strong as those guys. But if you're looking for a change of pace back in, you know, in round four, I think this is about good value for Bucky Irving. Maybe you could argue round three for him. Uh, I think that if you're, if you're going running back in this class and you're adding to that running back room, then a guy like Irving would be a really good fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Danny, round four, pick one ten. We got Ben Sinat, tight end out of Texas. I probably just butchered the last name, but it's fine. No, I think it's Sinat. I don't think it's Sinat. Nailed it. Um, but Sinat's pretty easy. He's kind of the yin to to Cole Komet's yang. Better athlete than you think. The typical white guy trope. He runs faster than you think. He's sneaky athletic. We're gonna <laughs> it's just. I, I love white guy tropes this time of year. Do you uh, do you want to say he's a lunch pail type of guy? He's he's a lunch <laughs> pail type of guy. Brings his hard hat to work mm. with him, buddy. Um, but pretty diverse route runner, soft hands. Um, in in how do I phrase this? He's got good natural looking hands in spurts, but sometimes gets a case of the oopsies when it comes to. I think it's like concentration drops is how I would describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't offer much in the way of blocking, but he's really efficient, really good athlete. Uh, pretty, like I said, pretty natural looking hands and high points the ball better than you would think. 
Like, I think he's pretty good at winning when the ball's in the air, attacking at its highest point. Like, you're taught to do as a wide receiver. Don't let the ball come to you, Tyler Scott. Um, <laughs> oh, that hurts. But, um, yeah, I, I, I know. I think Didn't he win the tight end award for college this year? I want to say, too. So, he's a decorated college player. Um Real good, like he's a really solid football player. I don't know if he's going to be anything special at the NFL level, but I think he's just a comp- a good complement to Cole and that in what he does do well versus what Cole does not do well. So I did look it up. Uh, he didn't win the best tight end award, but he did win the 2023 Low Man Trophy, which is given to the best fullback in college football. That's what it was. Okay, oh, I knew he won something. Fair. So he's more of an H back type to be truthful yeah. than. He- well, and but that blends in theory with potentially Shane Waldron the tw- because yeah, the 12, are they going to carry Kari Blassen game knowing how much 12 and 13 personnel that Waldron likes to run? Yeah. So let's go with the classic white guy H-back comparison. He's Chris Cooley all over again, guys. Just, you heard it here first. Uh, ben is going to be the next Kyle Juszczyk. Ah, Kyle Juicy Cheeks. <laughs> what? High bar. Jacob, round four, pick right. 111. We got... McKinley Jackson. I need to get Interior, to Texas A&M. Yeah, so kind of similar to Danny taking Devondre uh, Sweat. You're looking at McKinley Jackson as, you know, your one technique, you know, a bit of a, you know, a nose tackle, essentially, you know, play him as a zero directly over the center, align him a little bit outside on the shoulder to the one. Uh, I feel like he could thrive either way. He's – you know what you're getting with McKinley Jackson. I don't think he's the most – mobile defensive tackle out there. He's not going to wow you as a pass rusher and he's not the lengthiest. He's not the tallest defensive tackle in this class, but he's very strong. And that's something that's very fun to watch. He's consistently the lower man uh, at the point of attack. Even if he's not the most flexible guy, him being a little bit shorter does help him out. Uh, in terms of standing his ground in the run game. He's a capable two-gapper two if need be. Uh, good weight distribution. Uh, for such a big defensive tackle, for a guy who's listed around like 325, uh, he's got some pretty nice initial first-step quickness and you know firing out of the gates. He's you know pretty fun to watch. And even if he, he's not going to be the type of guy who's going to run insanely well, long speed, but I think his explosiveness in a vacuum is what's really impressive with Jackson. Uh, heavy hands at the point of attack, fights hard against the run. Again, he's a run stuffer. I think that he's a run stuffer, someone who will also generate double team looks on passing downs, uh, get centers and guards' attention, and free things up for edge rushers. I have him in round three, so to get him in round four here is good value on my board. I have McKinley Jackson higher rated than I had Zach Pickens coming out. Uh, so, you know, for reference, you know, Pickens being the first pick in the third round, uh, I do view Jackson in a higher light than that. So uh, time will tell exactly whether he gets drafted that high, but I think you're looking at a steady run defender. He's the type of guy, you know, you start billings at the one tech, uh, but you also have Jackson who can rotate in, maybe offer a little bit more, uh, a little more juice, a little more explosiveness in a vacuum. Uh, so, yeah, just another defensive lineman to add to the rotation here. Beautiful. Danny, round four, pick 111. 
So because we're at the point of just picking prospects so pe- to inform people, there you go. this is probably my favorite running back in this class to just watch. Well, one of two. There's another one at Purdue who I'm pretty high on that is going to be probably right around this area in the drafts as well. But Braylon Allen looks like he was concocted in a lab to play running back in football. He was featured on Bruce Feldman's Freaks List. He power cleaned over 400 pounds. For those who don't know, that's very strong and very good. (laughs) Um, He's probably going to test in a straight line really well. He can pull away. Um, He looks the part of just the every down bell cow running back. Like you're going to hear just because of his build, and he's 6'2, 245, or 250. You're going to hear the Derrick Henry thing. It's just he's not as productive. He is only 20 years old, which is nice, Um, but he can't turn. (laughs) He got – maybe he can see the doctor himself and work on his ankle and hip flexion because it's really not super great um, to be nice about it. Uh, But he runs hard, big, strong, super, super athletic in a straight line. Getting there is a little bit of a – Hall because he is such a big man, so it takes him a, more than a couple steps to get up to top speed. On like Bucky Allen, who is just yeah, just, just or Bucky Irving, not Bucky Allen. Bucky Allen was a running back out of USC years ago. Whoopsie daisy. Um, but he is probably one of my favorites to watch, and I just think he could be a rare like true three down running back because I don't think he's completely inept as a pass catcher either. I think he can can develop there as well. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing all these running backs coming off board right now for two reasons. One, this class, there's no, like, top-end running back, so you're not going to see a bunch early. But also, too, at least I believe that the Bears do truly need to look at running back as a thing, right? While they had a good running game, how much of that was predicated on Justin? Um, Herbert had his injury issues. Roshan didn't look the same after his concussion. It never really fully came back. You know, he got better near the end of the year. Deontay Foreman's not going to be around. So... You know, especially and as you look at, you don't pay running backs, right? You're going to have to make a decision on Herbert soon. So having another one in the stable is not a bad decision, um, to, especially if you can collect yeah. extra picks. And to be clear, I think he's a bit redundant to with Roshan and, yeah. and Khalil Herbert, but I just like him and he was sitting there staring me in the face and I'm just like, oh, sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, everyone said the same thing about Roshan in the fourth round last year. Like you were like, you have Deontay, you have Khalil, why are you picking Roshan? It's like they really liked him and he was sitting there. Yeah, off of pure value, I think this is, you know, a very good get. He's fun. So Derrick Henry feels a little lazy to me. I'm going back in time. He kind of reminds me of uh, Brandon Jacobs. That's my exact comparison. Yeah, that's that's who he reminds me of. Because Brandon Jacobs, for as big and strong as he was, people forget the guy at the feet of a ballerina. And he has some similar qualities like that until LeBron Landry broke him. But we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah, and I will say he's he's an alligator. He's fast in a straight line, super vicious, can't change direction to save his life. <laughs> also, if you pinch his mouth closed with two fingers, he can't open he his can't mouth. Open it. <laughs> All right, I'm up again. Round four, pick 118. I took Zach Zinter, guard out of Michigan. I love Tevin Jenkins and I tolerate Nate Davis, but you can't really trust either of them due to health concerns and uh, some other things. Bears need offensive guard depth. 
and Zinter can provide that really solid run blocker blocker with a nasty demeanor, a versatile run blocker as well, who's able to dis displace defenders in downhill man gap or inside zone runs, high football IQ, short area quickness, precise violent hands, which I love, and strong hands. He's hard to shed once he latches on. On the negative side, he did suffer a pretty nasty broken leg against Ohio State, fracturing his tibia and fibula. While teams will want to do their due diligence on this medical reports, the injury isn't expected to impact him long term. It could keep him from participating in some parts of the draft process. So that's one of the reasons he's fallen here. Ben's at the waist too much, drops his head. He's pretty tall at 6'6", which is an issue at times with center of gravity and balance. You know, Jacob mentioned this earlier uh, for the different prospects, but odds, the low man wins. And when you're 6'6", a guard, that can be tough. When pulling, he seems to step slower than he really should be, and he can struggle in space while on defenders. Uh, so, you know, again, good depth piece. I think he's really solid. Could be a good starter with the right development, and you just need stuff behind the, our two starters right now. And also, hey, Ravi, Jacob, I enjoy your Twitter account. Thank you. Yay. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Right, exactly. Who wouldn't? Oh, I yeah, I traded again. So – I just there wasn't anyone I really wanted at 110. Um, there was no one standing out to me heavily, so I figured, you know what, I'm gonna get a fifth because I really didn't have a lot of those end uh, the fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. So I moved down eight spots, and I got in the fourth round pick, pick 122. Um, one of my least favorite picks, if I'm gonna be honest. I I'm not really happy I did this, but I did. Um, and honestly, I just got sick of trading, so I just stuck here. Uh, Cade Stover, tight end out of Ohio State. I mean, he's shown a lot of growth and versatility during his time at Ohio State. You know, originally recruited to play linebacker, but flipped at the end, then to tight end. In 2023, he improved his totals with 41 receptions, 576 yards, five touchdowns. He's got a frame to be a bo good box-out tight end. He can get a step or two on linebackers vertically, and he, you know, he's been seen hurtling defenders. Strong hands to win contested catches and has shown a propensity for clutch catches on third down in the red zone. It's a good safety blanket. But he's got limited speed and is usually caught by high-end athletes. You know, we would not say he's an overly athletic tight end. The combine testing will be pretty big for him. And he can run too tall on his routes, needs to sink his hips more, needs to oil those hips a bit. Uh, blocking skills are underdeveloped. I mean, like I said, he flipped all these different positions. Tight end is new for him. He's a project, not going to be a day-one starter, but he can be a quality tight end if developed correctly. My concern is that he might just be redundant with Komet. You already have a rather large plotting individual do you really need a second one at tight end um but you know you, you do need some tight end depth and just right now as the roster sits maybe you don't bring back a mercedes lewis and he's your tight end three kind of a thing but yeah i i drafted kate silver that, that's all i got all i'm getting out of this is mason is trying to build two-way football team <laughs> two-way players <laughs> everywhere look versatility is the name of the game <laughs> Jacob is up round four, pick one twenty-three. Uh, oh my God! My pairing God. up Caleb with his boy <laughs> Taj Washington, wide receiver out of USC. Yeah, so something you hear a decent amount is, oh, you want to to ease the transition a little bit for your rookie quarterback. You get one of his college receivers, and a lot of people jump to, oh, Brendan Rice, because that's the you know the flashy name. That's Jerry's kid. But I have a higher grade on Taj Washington. I think he's someone. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, I really like what he brings out of the slot. And I think a big thing that not a lot of people are talking about is he went from a 10.2% drop rate in 2022 on 73 targets to on six, he had 68 targets in 2023, dropped just 1.7% of that. 
So that's a massive jump. That's, Damn. you know, a big step in the right direction for him. He's a guy, he's not going to win at the catch point incredibly well. He's not that long. He's not that big. He's not that physical, but he's shifty as all get out. He's explosive coming in and out of his breaks, uh, you know, stretches the field pretty well. He's got good ball carrier vision after the catch. He's elusive with the ball in his hands, uh, you know, offers some nice creativity. I think he's someone who could serve as a returner type candidate at the next level. Uh but yeah, he's someone that I think if you're going to reunite, if you're going to get Caleb Williams, it would make sense to double down in this really good wide receiver draft class, have a guy like Taj Washington compete for that wide receiver four spot. So like say in this sort of situation, like with the way that my mock draft uh, played out, you're getting DJ Moore, Xavier Worthy, a free agent, and then Tyler Scott and Taj Washington competing for wide receiver four. One of those guys are going to be wide receiver five. And then Valus maybe re-sign Equinemia St. Brown to be wide receiver six. Sign another guy with experience in the Seattle-type offense. Do whatever you want. But I think that Washington is really good value here early day three. Uh, I think he's going to be uh, a lot of fun to watch at the next level. Beautiful. Danny, anything to add since he uh... – no, I'm greater than graded higher than Bryce. Um, no, not really. Jacob pretty much covered it. I actually was, I just finished up watching my Caleb email and I just texted Jacob. I was like, Am I crazy? I like Taj, <laughs> I like Rice. He's like, No, me too. I was like, Okay, yeah. this little dude is doing everything for them. This guy's cool. Like, if I really like someone that's like the first, like, this dude's cool. Like, I want him. Yeah, like. USC really struggled. The receivers struggled with separation, but that wasn't the case for Washington. I think he was the one guy who was consistently able to get open. So, you know, big fan of his game for sure. I guess you could say he's the Taj Mahal of the receiving court. Oh, jeez. I'm not even going to play the rim. So challenge. good. Uh, oh, my God. You're so good. <laughs> Two totally different reactions. <laughs> uh, Danny, round four, pick 123. Kalen King, a divisive receiver uh. out of – Penn State, or excuse me, cornerback out of Penn State. So I'm of the opinion James Franklin can recruit his ass off. He can't develop anything he recruits. Um, Kalen King is maddening on tape. He is up and down and all over the place. And it's like you see the physical attributes and you can see what he truly can potentially be. But because James Franklin is his coach, um, he never realized what he probably could be. I mean, and this goes back years. You can go back to Odafe Owe and all these other guys that are coming out, there's a linebacker whose name is escaping me, who's being projected as a, as a late six or early seventh round pick who just is all over the place. Is that Curtis Jacobs? Yes, I believe that's it. Like who it looks the part and is very fast and is very athletic, but we're, it's, it's a running theme with James Franklin defenders. It feels like, where it's like these kids are super athletic and super and super talented. It's just, the actual on-field production just doesn't seem to be there. So he's more – he'd be like a project pick. Like, say you tag and can't come to an agreement with Jalen Johnson. Theoretically, Tariq Stevenson keeps developing. You can move him out to the other side of J- where Jalen's working, and then Kalen King can step in in the, in the next year. Like, kind of give him – I don't want to call it a redshirt year, but a development year. Because he's just – he's not ready to play a big role right now. I think that's fair. And I think I kind of like in his situation to like Keely Ringo coming out of Georgia mm-hmm. last year where 
you know, Kalen King has all the physical tools he needs to succeed. Yeah. Just maddeningly inconsistent. Frustrating as hell. Yeah. And he makes me want to throw my phone across the room is basically what he <laughs> makes me want to do. Exactly. And like Ringo went round four. I think that's about fair for King. Like you're, if you're going to start him significantly in, as a rookie, good luck. Uh, but you know, you hope to develop him. You hope to make him uh, take advantage of the tools he has. Cause the upside's there. It's just, you know, the consistency is totally lacking. Yeah. And the coaching staff that Iberfus has put together, you would think that, it is one as you know, people that were pooping on the hits principle and all that stuff. I mean, that's kind of the place he needs to end up somewhere that is going to really hone him in, you know, get, get him in structure and, and make the most out of the innate ability that he has. Cause it is there. It's just not anywhere near consistent. Yeah. I, 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 whatever. <laughs> He's a really talented player. He makes me so upset when I watch him. Um, before we get into this though, uh, Daddy duty is calling me, guys. I've been on with for an hour and a half, so I probably have to bow out at this point. Um, the only pr- receiver – there's a receiver left. He's my last pick in my draft. I want Jacob to do him justice because he's theoretically just my t- – either like big, physical, questionably hand-wide receivers or small pocket rockets. And the Oregon State man who is ending hey. my draft – Okay. It's very on brand for me. So I want Jacob to make sure he does yeah, we'll, it. We'll let Jacob captain that one. Yeah. I, I do apologize to all the listeners and to you, Mason, but I didn't think we were going to be be talking this much. What made you think that? Knowing there were three because, of us who talk the way that we talk. Dumb. <laughs> because I have a slight case of the dumb. That is my own fault, but Daddy Duty is calling me. It's been a pleasure as always, gents. I'll see you in a few weeks. All right. All be right, good. Take care of each other. See you, friends. We're wrapping up here anyway. Perfect. Um, actually, Jacob took the tight end that I probably should have taken and wanted to take <laughs> earlier, but it just it didn't fall right. Uh, round five, pick 143, Theo Jackson, tight end out of Penn State. Yeah, so Theo, I was impressed with the strides that he took this year. Uh, didn't The tools were always there with him, just Penn State didn't really utilize him in a high-volume type of situation. And, you know, 34 receptions isn't necessarily super high-volume, but – they used him a lot in the red zone. He had seven touchdowns. And I think you're looking at a guy with, you know, just a massive frame, you know, listed at 6'6", 260. He's uh, got a massive catch radius. He uses his raw size pretty well as a run blocker. Uh, still a little bit raw in that regard, but the raw size and the raw strength that he brings to the table uh, definitely gives him an advantage over edge rushers who might not have the best uh, plan of attack. I think he's a, you know, he's a coordinated athlete. I don't think he's an elite athlete. He might not test insanely well, but he's fluid across the middle of the field. He's an effective seam route type of uh, weapon, good ball skills, you know, natural hands catcher, makes grabs away from his frame, good ball skills. Yeah, so uh, I think Theo Johnson, he's someone I have as like an early day three pick, maybe around four. I think that this, this tight end class – there's Brock Bowers, massive gap, Jatavion Sanders, and then there's a gap. But in like that round four range, there are a handful of guys I think could be very good tight end twos. And Theo Jet, Theo uh, Theo Johnson's I think a guy who could definitely do that. So uh, I think that this is you know this stood out as good value to me. This is my last pick. Uh, I didn't trade down. I think the Bears would in all actuality to. 
you know, get a head start on undrafted free agency, get someone round six, round seven, someone that, you know, the coaching staff is higher on than the consensus. Uh, but yeah, th- for all intents and purposes, this is my last pick and I'm pretty happy with how it turned out. Yeah, absolutely. So running through some of Danny's picks here, um, we'll highlight the one that he really was shaking to talk about. Yeah. In round four, pick 143, he took Walter Rouse t- tackle, excuse me, out of Oklahoma, just trying to get a little more depth on that offensive line. I, in round five, at pick 146, I ended up taking George Ooh. Jefferson, defensive line, LSU. A um, little background on him, you know, fifth-year senior, 16 tackles, 17 assists, 13 stops, six pressures, uh, four quarterback hurries and two sacks. He is strong as hell. Squatted 695, power play 395, bench 495, but also moves pretty well. The vertical jump, uh, jump 34 and a half. I'll be interested to see what he tests at, clocking 4.52 in his pro agility time. I love he was a high school wrestler, and it really mm-hmm. shows. He really doesn't go to the ground ever and shows good balance, high motor, good lateral agility, and solid first step. Can play across multiple schemes. Love his spin move, which is going to be a weapon on Sundays. And shows good feel for working off of blockers. On the other hand, struggles with leverage off the snap and plays a little too tall. Uh, his bend around the edge is adequate, but needs work. And he needs more versatility in his moves, and he can get bullied by double teams. But at this point in time, I felt it was pretty good value for a guy that that's got the movement abilities and the motor that that Jefferson does. Yeah, I think this is good value for him. I have him in that round five range as well. So I think you hit the nail on the head with your evaluation of him. The strengths, the weaknesses, everything. So I think, you know, if you're looking for some uh, day three depth to add to the interior defensive line, Jefferson would be a good guy. And by all accounts, you know, graded very well uh, on tape, you know, PFF wise too. So if you're into that, then that's something that, uh, you know, could tickle your fancy with Jordan Jefferson. Danny continues just cleaning up in the later rounds. Round five, <laughs> pick 147. Uh, Logan Lee, uh, D-line from Iowa. I don't really have – I haven't watched anything on him. I don't know if you got anything, Jacob. I do have a bit. Uh, he's someone where – he's you know listed about 6'5", 290. He's someone who you know has a bit of that tweener frame. Uh, I don't think he's necessarily athletic enough to play off the edge consistently, but – Dude's strong as all get out. He's got an incredibly powerful upper body. He's got a stout anchor that allows him to eat up gaps, you know, along the interior. Uh, he's shown some flashes as a pass rusher. I think, you know, some of the, the hand usage is, is pretty solid. Uh, pad level can be a bit of an issue for him. Weight distribution can affect him sometimes. But, yeah, just a strong, sturdy, nasty son of a gun along the interior. So, uh I think he's a good depth guy uh, around here. Round five seems about seems about right. Beautiful. My last pick, round five, pick one fifty four. I got mm. Luke McCaffrey. Okay, receiver out of Rice. You you might recognize that name. Younger brother of Chris McCaffrey and son of Ed McCaffrey played at Nebraska before transferring to Rice, where he posted career highs in receptions seventy one, receiving yards nine ninety two, and touchdowns thirteen. Big bodied, tough receiver with a short area quickness and acceleration necessary to be a reliable slot receiver in the NFL. But he does have some inside outside versatility. Showed out in mobile with plays made in individual and team periods, runs precise routes and provides a big catch radius over the middle of the field. McCaffrey has soft hands and uses his frame to hold to shield defenders, making him a major threat in the red zone. He's been shown to win 50 50 balls. 
channels his brother in run-after-catch situations, transitions <laughs> upfield quickly after the catch. McCaffrey has the speed to pick up chunks of yards once he's broken his first tackle. Run blocking leaves a bit to be desired. I mean, he has the size to do so. He just, technique-wise, is kind of bleh. I wow. uh, had a few too many drops for my liking, particularly because he lets the ball get to his body at times. And vertical separation is is average. You know, he just doesn't create that. But that's not what you're going to ask him to do. You're going to ask him to make dirty catches across the middle and just use that big frame. Uh, you got to give a little chuckle. What are your thoughts on, on Luke here? Yeah, no, I like him a lot here in round five. I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head. He's effective, big slot, tough guy. Uh, coordinated athlete. He's not necessarily the speediest. I don't think he's going to test insanely well, but short area quickness, like you said, is solid. Uh, I think for someone who started off in college as a quarterback, he has a good understanding of how to get open. And even if he's not the twitchiest coming out of his breaks, uh, he's got a good understanding of how to disguise route concepts of how to, you know, attack leverage through his stems, the ability to, uh, to more, you know, to consistently beat man, to beat zone, you know, whatever he faces. Uh, I like what you, I like this pick with McCaffrey. I like what I see with him, even if he's not, he's never going to be like an all pro type of receiver by any means, but he's someone I think could be a solid contributor with, you know, wide receiver three upside down the line. So if you can get that in round five, I say I'll go for it, honestly. Beautiful. Danny, round six, pick 189. This is the man that he yeah. wanted you to highlight. Yeah. Uh, Gould, wide receiver, Oregon State. So this is a guy, I took a little bit of time to coming around on him. Uh, he does get a case of the drops. He's from time to time. He's smaller around, you know, 5'8", 172. And I think it, part of it was initially my stubbornness to change. Uh, in that I wasn't a huge fan of Tank Dell coming out of Houston uh, for the, a lot of the same reasons. He was undersized. He dropped too many balls. But Anthony Gold is just a very, very good athlete. He's one of the best yak receivers in this class. His agility is top-notch. He's a good understanding of how to get open, and he certainly has the lateral quickness, the ability to be able to do that, the deep speed needed to stretch the field vertically. Uh He's just a fun guy. He's not big by any means. He's not super physical, but I like him in the slot. I think he's someone who can be a you know solid contributor for your offense. Round six, I think, is really good value. Uh, the more I watch him, the more I start to buy in on him. I don't think he's ever going to be a star, and I did have a higher grade on Tank Dell than I did on Gold. It's just you know, the same type of archetype where I'm maybe not as high on the consensus. Uh, but I'm learning, I'm learning change. So, uh, you know, Anthony gold is someone I'm, you know, I've come around to, and I think round six would be a really, really good value for him. Love it. All right. And that's all we had for this draft. Weird that it did that. I didn't realize put a transition on, but so just a little quick, uh, recap. I'm not going to read through all these because there's a lot of people that are <laughs> on this. Um, if you're listening, you know, you can always check out, I'll tweet out, uh, what everyone had for their picks myself, Jacob and Danny. But in general, uh, some of the top ones, Jacob went with Caleb Williams for obvious reasons. Um, I ended up trading down one spot, taking Drake May, which I think is entirely on the table at this point. Um, and it's all about that grading. If it's just a little gap between maybe Caleb and Drake, maybe you, you lean towards the, the compensation slash higher floor, I would argue. That's just me. Yeah. Um, Danny traded and stole Atlanta's entire draft in order for them to take <laughs> Jaden Dan. Uh, 
to for them to take, I assume, Caleb, and he took Jane Daniels. Uh, mine was very offensive heavy. You know, I had um, some safety and edge and all that in there, but I really bolstered the offense, thinking the defense is relatively solid with a couple of veteran free agency ads. Jacob had a pretty nice spread here across the board, those couple receivers, because let's be real, the Bears are going to need it. He wasn't able to snag one of those top three, whereas Danny and I both took league neighbors, but made up for it with the Xavier Worthy and Taj Washington later. And then Danny just was all over the place. <laughs> he had like so many picks, but really filling all the needs that you really you needed. Uh, Braylon Allen was probably the most funny or interesting pick because do the Bears need that kind of a running back slash player? Not really, but it'd be fun. Um, and then I just I would also highlight the, the projects that is Kalen King because you know he's got a he's got opportunity there. <laughs> it's just <laughs> it's just isn't there consistently. But uh, Jacob, thank you so much for coming on. Um, everyone should know this at this point, but if they don't. Where can they find your work and all your awesome takes and all your funky fun takes? <laughs> yeah, so you guys can follow me on Twitter at JacobInfante24. I've got the handle down there underneath my name. You can find my articles over at Windy City Gridiron. Uh, like I said earlier in the show, I just published my Jared Verse scouting report today. I've had a handful of scouting reports go out. Uh, you know, you follow for mock drafts, big boards, player analysis, the whole shebang, the whole nine yards. Uh, my, my Patreon, uh, you can subscribe to. It's in my, in the link of my bio on Twitter. Uh, you can find it over there. Uh, I've got some solid stuff coming up there. Uh, hoping to ramp up some player interviews. Just finished one up. Uh, so stay tuned on that. Uh, exciting times. I love the draft, and you know I'm just grateful to have you know this opportunity to be able to showcase it with you know with like-minded football guys who like actually know what they're talking about. So I, uh, you know, I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, bare bones will be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to, we're doing this, we're going to have like four more of these <laughs> that we're doing. Um, we got different uh, guests that are popping on. And, you know, again, the goal of this is just to give y'all some information. Cause I think when I was starting to try to get into the combine and watching the draft and all this, it was very, I knew that the first round guys, but I had nothing after that. So, you know, when I, the bears would pick someone at round four. I'd be like, who the hell is that? I'm going to Google trying to figure it out. So we want you to be able to have some information and the combine is coming up. So these are going to shift a lot. All players we had in the third round are going to drop to the fifth players that were in the sixth are going to move to the fourth. It's going to be a bunch of, it's gonna be a good time. Love draft season. That is all we have for today. Thank you again, Jacob, for coming on. Danny had daddy duty, so he couldn't sign off, but everyone bear the hell down.